like I think he's like near the chest or he'll be like hanging around somewhere. What Steppenwolf? No. Um he he's all spikes. smooth. No, no he's not got not, many not spikes, anymore, he's he? not. Zatsman said more spikes. Oh really? Is he oh, all spiky mate, now? It's it's the most ridiculous looking fucking design I've ever seen. It's the stupidest really? thing. It's amazing. Yeah. Just every single spike, every single inch of him is covered in spikes. It's mental. Fuck's sake. Hello and welcome to the Oncast. My name is Dom, it's one half of the Oncast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello there. Hello there. Tonight we're talking about episodes three and four of season two of The Mandalorian. Chapter 11, The Heiress, and chapter 12, The Siege. There's a lot of numbers there. I'm glad yeah, you are, did that. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, it, it could get confusing. But the main point is we're talking about three and four of season two, which is chapter 11 and 12. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, we're back talking about the Mandalorian season two. Uh, we're going to talk about yeah the next two episodes, um, following up from our episode we put out a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, I mean, where do we start? Um, this, it's been a, it's been a crazy couple of weeks on the Mandalorian. Yeah. So last week, obviously, let's start with the the beginning. Yeah, so when we last left off at the end of episode two, he'd, um, that was the episode where he'd taken on the frog lady passenger who's in the, and her eggs. Um, yeah. As we left it, he was in a very beaten up ship um, and was barely limping his way on to the next planet where he was told he was going to potentially find some Mandalorians. And that's the cliffhanger we were left on. In this in yeah. episode three, we then cut to him arriving on that planet and it's a water planet. Um, of some description, as uh, a moon of Trask, isn't it? Or the or the actual or it is Trask? Yeah, I can't remember. Um, and it basically is a episode set all around this harbor planet, which is like a outer rim, you know, seedy uh, um, port in the middle of nowhere. Well, it's like a shipping. Yeah, it's like yeah. a. Sh- it's like the equivalent of going to like a uh, like a nowhere town in like Alaska. Yeah, and again, it's sort and of just sort of rocking up, being an outsider, and expecting to, yeah, you know, um, and it's still very much keeping in that whole Western feel, like the, the town that you, you know turning up in, like you say, turning up in the out, the outsider turning up in town is very much the same trope that they had in the first episode of this season, where you get in Tatooine, yeah, um, and they sort of play on that a little bit here, but this time he's you know he's, he's bartering for some information. Um, the town is mainly filled of um, aliens. It's it's um, Mon Calamari. And um, Quarren, the like squid-like guys, um, yeah. and historically the Quarren are usually bastards, and, and the Mon Calamari are usually all right. We can tell the Mon Calamari are all right because the first one we see is wearing a lovely cable knit sweater. Which <laughs> I, a lot of fucking, I fucking knew you'd bring this up. Well, because it's, yeah, it's been brought up a lot, isn't it? <laughs> and it's, and it, but it's fucking brilliant. It's as they're landing, there's this, just this Mon Calamari guy. So he's like he's got his hands on his up, hips, hands on his hips, like looking really exasperated. But he's wearing this like this sweater. This uh, it just looks like something you'd buy. Like it's, it's weird when like real world clothes end up in Star Wars because a lot of the time yeah. everything's obviously you know designed within an inch of its life, and no one's wearing like clothes that you'd actually see. But this just sort of sticks out, and you just go, "What? Why is he wearing a, a jumper from M and S? I'm very confused." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, also like. It does work to ground it a little bit. Yeah, it does. It does. 
because there are points every now and again like um one of the things that i always remember about um when i was a kid and watching like a new hope and empire and jedi and stuff like some of the things that they like eat and drink out of like especially in a new hope like the the cups that luke baru and owen laza drinking from yeah i had them we had them as kid as when i was a kid and I drink out of them, and I was always like, "These are Star Wars cups," and being disappointed that I couldn't have blue milk. Right, but like, it always sort of grounded it a bit more, made it a little bit more real, and I think that kind of did it a little bit with this as well. I know it sounds really silly, but yeah. And yeah, um, um, I know what you mean, but like, that's what he, was great about that opening scene. He, he does like two things at once. Because yeah, it does ground it a little bit, and like you say, give you that um, the guy's just wearing a sweater. But then the next scene we see, so like Mando comes in for this crash landing, um, which is very dramatic. And uh, this episode was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, mm-hmm. um, and she's since come out, and people have asked her like, was this this reentry scene where they're burning up as they come in because the ship's that fucked? Was this you like um, doing a little bit of a homage to Apollo thirteen, which was directed by her dad, Ron Howard? And oh, like, okay. Yeah, it was. That was me trying to trying to do something with my dad's like all the the yeah, the instruments going on fire, and then the, the exterior shot of just the the heat going. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah. If you look at it actually side by side. Yeah, they are very similar. It's like yeah. That's cool. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, and she did a great job in this episode. This uh, episode three. Um, yeah. People have complained that it was short. I don't care. I didn't notice. Don't care. No. Um, it was just this, again, the people have, it's kind of a bit of a side quest. Again, that was the complaint a lot of people had about the, um, the second episode. Um, but yeah. at the same time, this one definitely moves the plot along. Um, and while, yeah, what we basically get is this, you know, tale on the high seas. And the episode really turns when a bunch of Mandalorians turn up. Yes, spoilers. Obviously. Oh yeah, we're spoiling these two episodes, by the way. So if you if you're not caught up on the Mandalorian, you need to catch up on it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the the main thing, and this is the one that this is the episode that is going to be known as is this is the Mandalorian episode where some more Mandalorians turn up. Yeah. Um, because as we've sort of established, his sort of new mission that he's given himself, although he's the main overarching goal is to find the Jedi, he first wants to find some Mandalorians who can lead him to the Jedi or give him some ideas. Yeah. Um, and that's basically accomplished in this episode. We we get that done. So again, like you've, if you're complaining about it not moving fast enough, by three episodes in, he's already completed that first step, and he's on his way to the next bit. Or yeah. you know, and there are eight episodes, so we, I think it's moving on a pace. Um, and that's confirmed even more when we get into the fourth one. Um, but the big thing, obviously, is we get a reveal, and it's something that was um, similar to the Boba Fett thing. It's something that was rumored. Um, and people speculated about it beforehand, but it finally was revealed this time that we have Katie Sackhoff in this series playing Bo-Katan. Yeah. Um, so that is, um, that didn't really mean that much to me. Exactly. So it, it, it will vary from, from person to person. For some people, it will just be, oh, cool. Yeah, she's a cool character, or you'll recognize the actress because, you know, Katie Sackhoff's been in loads of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica, um, well, she's been in 24, she's been in all kinds of stuff. Um, but for fans who of the animated stuff from Star Wars, you're, that is massively significant in terms of who Bo-Katan is. Um, so Bo-Katan is the rightful heir of Mandalore, essentially. 
Um, there's a long story history that goes back into the Clone Wars animation series and then also Rebels. Um, one of the key points that you need to remember for Bogotan, and I think we may have talked about this in um, when we did our recap of season one, is that Bogotan, that was the last place we saw the Darksaber. Um, so we know that right, prior to Moff Gideon having correct. it yeah so before so at the end of season one the big sort of reveal that again and it was very much something that was only relevant to people who had watched all the cartoons um they for everyone else it's just it was some weapon that he had and it didn't really mean much but for the rest of us we were like holy shit that's is that the dark saber because that's mm. massively significant it's this you know mandalorian excalibur type thing that is a weapon that can unite all of mandalore and whoever holds it can sort of rule all the different clans of mandalore yeah um, and but the last place we saw it was at the end, like towards the back end of the Rebels series, Star Wars Rebels. Um, the saber was given to Bo Katan, um, who, yeah, is of like a royal heritage, um, and is a leader of Mandalorian warriors and has all this history about all the different wars she's fought. Um, and she was going to then lead, so we had we were ended on this, um, sort of this shot of her holding up the Darksaber and all the Mandalorians like bowing to her, like she's going to be the new ruler. Okay. And then canonically, the next time we see the Darksaber is Moff Gideon having it climbing out of a broken down TIE fighter. Yeah. So what happened in between, we don't know. <laughs> um, but then next thing you know, so that we, we, that's part of the reason why she, it was speculated that we would see her in this season because that would tie up. We'd find out what, you know, how does this work? Where, where, how did it get from her to him? Yeah. Um, and sure enough, here she is. Uh, and she looks like the armor. They've done an amazing job, like getting the, what the animated version of the armor looks like. It's like a lot of people recognize her straight away from the patterns on the helmet and the way she looks is exactly like it was in the animation. Um, even to the point where Katie Sakoff has voiced Bo Katan in all of the Star Wars stuff. She was in um, Clone Wars and she was in Rebels doing the voice. And then when it comes to live action, they got her to then play her in live action as well. So it's pretty, pretty mad um, in terms of this is the first significant, you know, crossing over really of a, of the animation into live action in terms of a character coming from one to the other. Um, yeah. And they, they nailed it. And this isn't obviously like there were rumors before. Yeah. Season two was released, but there's also as it's, well, as it's now being confirmed in this episode, Ahsoka is also going to be yeah, and that was the other big name drop, which comes back on the back end of the episode where everyone freaked out. <laughs> um, so yeah, there are, there are a number of things that were rumored. So we were, we had a rumor about Timothy Gonathan being in it. We had a rumor about maybe Boba Fett's coming back. Um, all these things, and they're starting to sort of play out. But it's great to see it happen just naturally, week to week. We we get little snippets of it every now and then, and you go, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Um, but this episode three was definitely a, a big one for that because yeah, first you get the Bogotan reveal, um, and yeah, her and her team turn up when there is this shocking moment where it looks like Baby Yoda's going to get eaten. Um, yeah, <laughs> we were all very scared for a second. I mean, um, Baby Yoda does get eaten, but like... yeah, yeah, it's, it's terrifying. <laughs> so like, yeah, it, it, Mando's on this ship filled with corn. You, you can never trust. You can never trust the corn. Um, and at one point, they just really like it happens so fast. This guy just like slams Baby Yoda's like pram thing, boots in. a little fucker into the <laughs> yeah, 
and it's the more of the, like the jaws of this giant fucking um, sea monster thing, which we don't see because it's under the water, which is another clever sort of budget saving idea that they had. Yeah. Um, but you, you just see like a glimpse of it and it's just this terrifying, just mass of teeth. And it swallows him and it just, it all happens so fast. And the Mandalorian, like he doesn't even hesitate. He jumps straight in there to go and get him. And then yeah. they, just, they trap him. They put a cage over the top and it's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Everything's like, it all just happens so fast. And then before you know it, you hear these, um, yeah, the, um, the jetpacks come in. Yeah. And these three Mandalorians just come in and absolutely wreck shop. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good moment. It was amazing. Yeah. It was going to be honest. Like, it was, um, it's wicked to see him just sort of like come in and just start wrecking shit immediately. Yeah. And they're using all the different weapons, like using the, um, the, uh, it the the cable tie things to like tie guys up and trip them over the yeah. wrist rockets they're using the um they're using the jet packs really well and it's just like all right yeah this is it this is what we've always wanted <laughs> it's like these are probably your mandalorians coming in and three of them can take out a, a crew of nine in like five seconds flat um yeah. and they yeah they get mando out and say don't worry we got this brother call him brother and it's like this is what we wanted it reminds me of that of the season one um episode where something similar happened where all the Mandalorian covert come out to defend him when he's getting shot up in the town. Yeah. That was an amazing moment. And this is their version. Sort of, of expose themselves and then. Yeah. Um, but this obviously is what happens like, then, then there's that massacre that follows it. But this, this goes sort of in a different direction from that. Yeah. Nice. They, these, these guys are much more like, they're much more coordinated. And like, again, it sort of, again, shows that thing that I think is the common thread between season one and two. It's just, it's a lot more confident as a series. Like the fact that this takes place in broad daylight um it's like they spend time actually choreographing it whereas that you know the yeah. one that we had on from season one was lots of different mandalorians lots of quick edits so you only saw a little shots of them on the, with the jetpacks it's at night so it's a little bit diff- more difficult to see what's going on and they kind of mask it a little bit whereas with this they're like no we're gonna this is a mandalorian episode we're gonna show you some mandalorians kicking some ass for half yeah. an hour and, and it's quite gonna... vivid as well because they are bright <clears throat> blue yeah and again that's significant like you know that's goes all the way back to the um to the clone wars and that and the color schemes that um bogotan and her like team used to wear so like immediately yeah. all, all clone wars fans when they turn up even before the helmets come off they're already starting to think like oh shit is that her is that her and then we get the big reveal about them taking the helmets off, and that becomes a big moment, and that finally gets cleared up. Yeah, because so obviously in season one, mm. they sort of talk about, and they're like, "Oh, it should." When was the last time you took your helmet off? It's like yesterday. And then she's like, "When was the last time you took your helmet off in front of somebody else?" And he's like, "Oh, well, I can, but I can just never put it back on," sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So this is like a massive deal, but then they go so far as to say that he's part of like a like an order. Yeah. So he's so like this a little bit more sort so of radical. Is, yeah. Um, and it kind of it, it's good that they, they've linked that in and they've they've brought that up at the exact same moment when they're also talking about the dark saber, um, because they they're establishing that that Mandalorians aren't just one big thing. There there are many different sects of Mandalorians. Um, yeah, and like so, she's like of royal blood. She was born on the planet Mandalore. He wasn't. He's a Mandalorian by creed, and his creed is is that oh, he's one of them. Like the guy, the guy that she's with. She's got a guy and a girl next to her. 
Yeah. Um, and the guy's like, oh, shit, he's one of them. And he's like, um, Children of the Watch, I think she calls him. That's it, yeah. Children of the Watch, which I'm assuming has some sort of links to the Death Watch, which was this like cult that she herself was part of at one point. Um, and they were very much militaristic, go back to the ways of um, Mandalore the Great. Um, they wanted, yeah, they, they were very much wanted all that, whereas the other sides of uh, Mandalore were more... Um, pacifists um including bo sister who was the duchess of mandalore oh, okay. and ruled mandalore for a time mm. but then something happened which i won't say because it will spoil it um but yeah so the, there's all these different sets and that's kind of the point that has been made about the whole dark saber thing they make the point of they're so disparate and they're so there are so many there's so much infighting going on amongst the mandalorians they got different clans, different families. Like when she introduces herself, she says, I am Bo-Katan of Clan Crease. So, you know, it's very, it's kind of like a feudal, you know, Game of Thrones type society where okay, there are different yeah, yeah. lords. Like different and families. And... Different families, different lords, and people follow different rules. So you've got all these guys who are, this is the way, and we never take the helmet off and all that stuff. And clearly he's not alone. We've met the whole covert of them last season. Um, yeah. And these are the children of the watch. It's like, these are the guys who never take their helmets off, but these lot do. Right, okay, but anyway, if she was to get the the dark saber, that would therefore it would negate all of that kind of, and it would like unite everybody under one banner. Go ahead. That's the idea behind it. The idea is that even okay. like, the children of the watch, whoever, wherever you wherever you stand in any of the various different factions, if someone is holding the dark saber, you follow them, kind of thing. And that's yeah, the kind of, that's the conclusion they kind of came to at the end of the rebels because there was some infighting going on with the different houses uh, okay and then the idea because wasn't there there was um sabine was it sabine so she's a she's so she had the dark saber yeah and she she's a mandalorian as well or is she like a boba fett-esque no she's mandalorian she's the mandalorian yeah she's sabine of house wren and then they, they get into the whole wren family background that's the whole thing Again, this is all in uh, Rebels, um, but then the sort of the conclusion they come to is that she feels she's not ready to lead, but Bogotan is, and she therefore hands her the dart saber. Um, oh, okay, the, yeah. The rule yeah. is usually either you have to give it to someone or you have to win it from them in combat. Um, yeah. And so she sort of says, "Look, I'm not ready for this, but I think you are," and gives it to her. And so how it. does? No, no, no. That's what, too much how, for us. How, We're not going to recap how she gets in. What? How does, where it all um, comes from? Yeah. What, how does um, Sabine get it? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question for another time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair. Um, yeah, I've given you a list. I've given you a list of the episodes you should watch. Um, but yeah, it's um, Rebels. I think that's the thing that's getting me about these last couple of episodes in particular, um, is that it really does feel like live action Rebels or live action okay. um, Clone Wars in a lot of ways. Even down to the you know, the episode lengths, the the idea that these sort of the missions that we go in is like oh we're gonna you know fuck up an imperial base or we're gonna hijack an imperial um, transport ship and it's like yeah that would be like a mission that you'd have on an episode of Rebels and it would play out maybe there were some Mandalorians would turn up maybe there wouldn't and there'd be hints at a larger plot but that would just be a standard twenty minute episode of Rebels. Yeah. Um, the difference being that with Rebels and with Clone Wars, they don't have the budget constraints that you have on a live action show because it's animated, mm-hmm. so you can pretty much do anything. So you can do the same thing, but have massive battles and like and you know Imperial Walkers and all kinds of shit that you want. 
there is no limit to it um so yeah but that's what that's what's getting me about people going you know how great this show is and i was just like much as I, I know it's animated i know it's animated and a lot of people have sort of hang-ups about watching animated stuff but if you like this trust me you should go <laughs> go and um watch some rebels yeah <clears throat> and like i really want to because obviously i want to see more of the stuff of like what has set this up yeah and has gotten us to where we are in sort of the star wars universe now but so this sort of then plays out a bit more into that this becomes and i'm gonna say another heist one because there are everything is a bit heisty yeah in mando but it's not done it's not leveraged in such a way it's like you need to for us to help you, you need a you need we need you to do this with us. Yeah, I think I think so. A lot of people are comparing this season, and I think it's a fair comparison to be honest. To uh, it's like a video game. It's very mm-hmm. much like if you want to achieve something, you have to help me with you know do these things. It, like it reminds me of something like playing The Witcher, whereas like every time fetch you, quest is a fetch quest. Like there's always like oh you know I can I can give you the information, but you need to help me out first or whatever mm-hmm. it happens to be and that is kind of almost every episode but it's great it doesn't matter like and this is perfect because they managed to get that blend in where yes it is another one of those episodes but by having Bo-Katan um and explaining her sort of motivations and what she's all about which is like she mentions the dark saber she goes after these imperials and then the idea is that they've gone to try and hijack this imperial um transport that's got a load of weapons on it and she's saying, I'm going to try and retake Mandalore, but I need weapons and I need armory, and we want to take this ship. We need an extra man. Do you want to come and help us? I'm like, yeah, cool, right. Yeah. And during that raid, which some of the best action we'd seen on the series at that point was fucking brilliant. Just like a, a team of Mandalorians just taking down, like going down a corridor, absolutely wrecking a bunch of stormtroopers. Like, this is so cool. Yeah. This is just, this is proper Star Wars. And like you know, you get the all the, the Imperials panicking. It's like, oh, I think there's at least ten of them. It's like it's four. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but then you, you get to the end of it, and she like confronts the Imperial officer and says, "Where is it?" He goes, "What the dark saber? Where is it? I know is it, there's something I need." Like she's hinted at it previously. It's like there's something I need if I'm if I'm going to lead Mandalore. Like, yeah. Like, okay. And Moff Gideon has it. Moff Gideon is also the guy who's after Baby Yoda. So you can go, right, I can see what's happening here. There are two big plots and they're all going to coincide at the same time because the idea is that it all comes down to this one guy, Moff Gideon, as played by Giancarlo Esposito, and he's the thing that ties everything together. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then it sort of fairly abruptly ends. Yeah, so you get the, yeah, we get the reveal that, yes, she's after the Darksaber. He says, look, I've I've taken you this far. Tell me whether you know. What, tell me the information I need. And she then drops the name. She goes, "Okay, go to this planet. There you'll find Ahsoka Tano." And everyone, mm-hmm. everyone freaks out because she actually said it. <laughs> um, and then I think a lot of people had the expectation then that he would then therefore go off to find Ahsoka. Um, but it's made very clear as he's leaving, um, that his ship is still in absolute state because the Mon Calamari fixed it up, but they did it in a very Mon Calamari way. So there's still squids and like <laughs> bits of string like tying the ship together. It's barely holding it together. 
um, yeah. as the episode ends to a point where he goes into hyperspace and like a, a piece of it just falls off. <laughs> um, Where's the, it's um, Firefly. Because he was like, uh, no, because the, the Mon Calamari that he talks to was like, um, he says, oh, can you fix it? And yeah. he's like, I, I can try. So I can make it fly. Yeah, that's it. I can make it yeah. fly. Yeah. And you go, oh, okay, yeah, that is what he has done. Like, and then, yeah, and then we obviously, then it, that's how that ends. But we move fairly swiftly, should we say, because there isn't a lot to sort of tie up. There is, it was sort of fairly neat and contained, that episode. Yeah. Um, and just yeah, it's just amazing action. Some some great. Again, I still can't go over how great this show looks. Um, mm-hmm. There's one particular shot where, like, after he has that initial rescue from them, because he's a bit reluctant to to trust the Mandalorians to start with, um, because like they take the helmets off and he doesn't believe them, so they have to save him twice before he like gets involved. Um, but there's this bit after the first saving where he's just watching the um, ships and it's like the sunset going down as they play some explosives on this pirate ship and blow it up. And then the, f- the three Mandalorians lifting off into the sky on their jetpacks as it blows up and, and the sunset's going down. It's like, oh my God, yeah. it's a TV show. Fuck's sake, this is crazy. <laughs> like, um, and then we get into more, of, a lot more of that in this, this uh, fourth episode, which just came out today. Um, so following on from the last one, yeah, his ship is in an absolute state. Um, he, and he's like, there's no way I'm going to be able to get to where I'm going, i.e. to find where they've told me Ahsoka is on, with the ship in this state. We're going to have to make a stop. So we go back to Navarro, where a lot of season one was uh, set. Yeah. Um, and that's where we then meet back up again with um, Cara Dune and Grief Carga. So uh, Gina Carano's and Carl Weathers. Weathers. Characters. Who also directed this episode as and well. And Carl directed this one as well. Yeah, so we spend this episode again, and it's like a little side mission kind of thing. We're now going to be on um, Navarro for an episode and catch up with all that stuff. Um, but it's brilliant. Uh, yeah, this episode, without a doubt, is my favourite one of the season yeah, so I far. Yeah, I feel like you've got a lot to say about this one, haven't you? I, I mean, I do, and I don't. Like, I really, really enjoyed it because it was... It pushed the plot forward. And um, in a way that was um, quite a lot, uh, significantly less esoteric than the last one. Like, I didn't, I didn't need to go in with a bunch of like having. Like, I genuinely felt that in the last episode, I missed out some of the stuff because I hadn't seen Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah, and that is like, a concern and, that I have in terms of the series. So I'm interested to see you say that. Um, because it is like a bit of a barrier to entry, and it's like, there's a dramatic reveal, and she's like, I'm Bo-Katan, blah, blah, blah. And, then, and you're like, all right, who's who's that? Yeah, yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah. And um, you go, like, it's, it's all well and good, and then you sort of see all the headlines following it afterwards, and everyone's like waving and screaming and yelling and shouting, like... I have a cursory awareness of who Ahsoka is, but like when she mentions her in this, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know enough that this is going to be like revelatory for me. I don't, you know, because Ahsoka might just be, yeah, like I have an understanding of who she is and where I think she's come from and what she does, but I don't know that much else. I don't know. 
what her adventures are. I don't know if she's not just like a head in a head in a jar, like in Futurama, or <laughs> or what she is. Only in season three. Yeah, no, I, I'll tell you about that. But um, but yeah, and it's like so, I, and that's part of like last week's episode. It was short, but at the same time, I don't really care. Like, yeah, I had um, fun. It was what it needed to be. Like, it had some stuff in there. It pushed the plot forward a bit, and we got to the end of it. There was <laughs> the bit with the the starfish squid monster thing at the end coming yeah. to get the child, and I was like, I "Think you need an extra thirty seconds for this one, didn't you?" Yeah, yeah, it definitely felt like that, didn't it? It's like we're running a bit short, and people are going to be pissed. Can we? Is there anything else we can add? That's... Can we pad this out a bit? Can we just just a little bit more? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely, it definitely felt like that because it didn't really add much. Um, but yeah, again, it was great. There was another, it's more great examples of world building. Um, I mean, like, also you know, like the set design is incredible yeah. in it as well, and you um, you are seeing amazing things. And like my my favorite was the um, the Atat Walker being used to pick up the ship. Yeah, that was brilliant. Just like the fact that they repurposed like all these like war machines into like, practical. and it's and that's the thing, and it makes me like being a star wars nerd i'm like oh what's the second two letters gonna be for this one then yeah because at stands for all terrain yeah and then the second at stands for attack and transport i thought it was no i thought it was armored transport ah well yeah it's changed over the years so it, i think it's i think it's been canonized one way or the other mm. but um but yeah, and then, so now I'm like, because there was in Rogue One, they were ATBTs or something, weren't they? Yeah. Um, or ATCTs or something, where they were like all terrain. Yeah. Uh, container troop transport or something. So they were still armored, but they they still had like, but then the the back part was like a container for like a shipping container essentially. Yeah rather than anything else so that was really good a really nice touch there and then obviously you know we are in a star wars world so we're seeing like these different aspects of it each time the uh, the the one concern that i'm having a little bit well up until this episode up until episode four Mm. was it all felt a bit small yeah the last two episodes felt really really small it was like well that's the thing i i felt the third episode for me, and that might be partly because of the whole the background with rebels. I appreciate that, um, but because she mentioned the dart saber and I, you know, of who she is, I knew the significance of it. Or like the fact that there's someone talking about retaking Mandalore, yeah, from the Empire, like that. Like the the stakes just went up. Do you know what I mean? It, it felt a lot bigger, and the fact that they, you know, raiding this Imperial ship, um, again, that's the biggest Imperial ship we've seen. Um, up till now we saw a TIE fighter in episode in series one mm. now there's a whole you know transport ship full of weapons and a bunch of Imperials and we're taking them down and the, the guy mentions you know we're gonna you know jump to hyperspace and rendezvous with the fleet I'm like wait a minute what's there's an Imperial fleet out there like they're hinting at something a lot bigger do you know what I mean they're already yeah. I mean she's talking about retaking planets and stuff like that, or ruling all of Mandalore. Like, yeah, I feel like it's starting to ramp up, and then they continue that trend into episode four. Mm. Um, so I, I know what you mean. It, like, yeah, it definitely it felt small, but then, well, I, I feel like just it might just be that second episode that felt small because you know, you remember the first episode where 
<laughs> everything went into IMAX and we had to fight a, a crate dragon. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I was saying, like second and third episode all both felt very small to me. Yeah. Like yeah, even though like, we were seeing like zoomed out big scale yeah. um things, it just felt like I don't know. It felt like we didn't ever get very far. Yeah. And like everything there wasn't any ever any sort of like traveling like he was on a boat now the boat's really out far out to sea now he's back on the harbor yeah I know. and now and now he's on the spaceship the spaceship's up really high now he's back on the ground like there were a couple of moments of like like movement yeah um i know but they never felt just, like any just from a yeah. sort of a story perspective the scale did seem to like although i know what you mean like from a you know visually is you know there's only one or two um, locations and it, it's you know it's small insular, but the things people are talking about and the people who are turning up is getting bigger. Like you know, I mean, the yeah. scale is just like ramped up. Out, you know, by getting we've got Bogotan leader of you know the previous leader of Mandalore. She's talking about Ahsoka Tano. She's talking about taking on the Empire, and it's like holy shit, this is all just went up. Like all the stakes just went up. It was like a little skirmish between him and and the Empire in season one, and now that's just everything's just elevated. Um, and we'll see that continue, I'm sure. Yeah, and we were like, in season one, we were looking at like grubby old stormtroopers with like broken weapons and their materials were a bit fucked. Yeah. Exactly. But in this one, they're all like, they are in a giant imperial transport. Yeah, and the guy, and the, there's an, there's officers wearing the officers' uniforms and taking orders mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. And yeah, you know, rendezvous with the rest of the fleet. We do get a little appearance from Moff Gideon um, giving the guy the instruction to just kamikaze the thing into the water if he can't keep the ship um yeah again you get this idea that these guys you know the dedication to the empire long live the empire and just kills the two pilots um which is crazy um so yeah Yeah, they're like they've been known to um so that's in aftermath yeah like the long live the empire and um like scuttling the ships yeah because obviously one of the reasons that the Imperials ended up with all of their stuff was because they stole it from the Republic. Yeah. They turned the Republic into the Imperial Empire. And that's one of the things that they're making sure that the rebels or the Alliance don't take their tech. So they're not taking their stuff. So they just scuttle it. So they just crash it into planets and just absolutely wreck stuff. So that again, that's like another thing that's got precedent from got precedent in like the wider universe. Yeah, I think those, those aftermath books are starting to it's starting to become apparent that they're um, quite relevant actually. Um, yeah. Again, that's where they, the you know the the guy who um, had Boba Fett's armor. I can't remember his name now. Uh, Tim Fong's yeah. character that he was introduced in those books. So again, I think you know between the two of us, I've seen the the cartoons and you've read those series of books. I think we, we've got we've got some knowledge that we can share between us. Yeah, definitely. And like um, uh, like Greg Grunberg's character, Snap Wexley, is like the protagonist in the first, and then he becomes. Uh, I think it's really a spoiler to say because you know you see him in films, but he um. Uh, joins like a group like a ragtag group in the second one yeah so yeah and it's so it does a lot of it does fit and it's part of like the new the modern sort of star wars story group so it is effective 
but at the same time it's uh yeah some of it's some of it's a little bit inaccessible from time to time because i'm yeah. like and that is something i, I worried about things. yeah that's something i worried about going in like when i was hearing all these rumors about all the you know all the stuff that was going to come over from animation i was like yeah but is that going to is that going to alienate people because you know if you haven't seen all that stuff then it doesn't mean anything to you um yeah and that is already starting to happen a little bit i'm worried that if they do get into a so they're obviously they're doing a soaker there's there's no two words about that now and i'm very i'm fairly certain she's going to turn up next week um because in the next episode episode five is written and directed by dave filoni who uh, okay obviously yeah. like ahsoka his his baby he you know <laughs> created that character and brought her all the way through the whole all the different series yeah um so I have, i'm very i'm fairly certain it's going to be her again but again if there's this character that if people don't engage with her or don't give a shit about who she is or haven't you know have absolutely no context for her and they make her this this massively important character i'm worried it will turn people off the series um i think so far that they're, they're still keeping the focus on mando and the child um so although we do get these diversions and you know bogotan took up a fair amount of screen time there was still we, we know who our protagonist is um so I'm hoping that that is still going to keep people in, involved. Yeah, and I think I'm a bit concerned as well because, especially sort of talking about this week's episode, it does um, well, it literally goes backwards. Yeah, you know, like we do. You know, we're going back to Kara and grief, and you go, okay, right. So like, it's nice and it's cool because I like these characters, but we are going back. So we so far we've gone forward two steps, back two steps. Yeah, I think I was it's like forward I was three worried. back three and like we've gained mm. like we've gained a little bit of information, but we haven't really gone anywhere. Like we've literally yeah. gone back to where we started. Yeah, kind of. I mean I feel like this one did a fairly good balance of it didn't feel like I was worried when I saw like what this episode was going to be. I was worried it was going to be a filler episode. Um, especially off the back of having that tease of Ahsoka in the last episode. And I was like, people are going to be pissed off if we don't see her in the next one. And the next one's directed yeah. by um, by uh, Carl Weathers. Weathers. I'm like, there's no way Carl Weathers is going to be the one who introduces Ahsoka. <laughs> there's no. absolutely no way. So clearly he's going to be in it at least. Um, and sure enough, that's what it is. But I think they managed to sort of find a way around that and make it feel like it was progressing the plot along. Um, yeah. because it does really, it basically, it goes back to the Imperials. Um, and we do get an answer of a lingering plot thread that's been there since the very beginning of the whole series, which is what do the Imperials want with baby Yoda? Um, mm -hmm. you know, the whole se this whole series of events started because, um, when Herzl's character was adamant that he needed to get the child, um, and he would pay, you know, however much, you know, ridiculous amounts of money for it. Um, and that's yeah, how the whole thing paying Beskar. Exactly. Um, so we are actually going back to the main plot. So it does, although, like you say, I do know what you mean about it going backwards. It's, I think it uses pre-established things well, because we already know Grief Karga and we know Kara Doom, but there's a shorthand there so we can just get on with it. Yeah. So we can just sort of pick up where and we left off with them and go, right, now let's, we, we've got to go and get rid of these Imperials here. Um, and in doing that, we're going to find out more about the plot and progress some stuff along. Yeah. One of the things that I'm worried about with The Mandalorian at the moment is there does seem to be a slight lack of synergy. 
like yeah. there isn't like that everything it's and we are talking about episodic you know a star wars episodic tv show week on week we're getting more star wars and that's amazing and it is brilliant that we're getting this and visually it's stunning and yeah the stuff that we're seeing in there is amazing like the scene this week with the speeder bikes yeah just gave me just gave me like goosebumps literally yeah. gave me goosebumps so it's because it's one of my favorite things of star wars and there's stuff that happens in it that's brilliant but it's so i don't know it feels very it all feels very loosely connected to one another and there are points where i'm like come on like i'm yeah. willing it to do like because if you watch all of these back to back you are very much watching a series of different episodes you're not like there aren't yeah. like saying about like the clone wars for example like i've seen like the first two seasons of the clone wars or maybe three and there are episodes in there that are really disparate yeah similarly to this and they're like oh well we've got to go to this episode because our motivator is broken and because our ship's got a leak so they go there they do a thing they fix it they move on but that yeah. seems to be every episode at the moment yeah a and bit. I one think of the he... things that this episode does it does does fix that mm. in a couple of places but i was thinking about it afterwards i was like everything i saw in this is amazing and there is stuff that i'm moving forward but it feels like we're moving forward deliberately slowly yeah well see i think there's a reason for that i think it's because the back end of this season which we're getting into now with you know we're halfway through is going to be a lot more serialized I think now, yeah. that, now that what we've done, if you think about what we've done over the last four episodes, is we've basically set up all the chess pieces. There yeah, because we had, know, like, episode two was the bottle episode. Yeah. Um, and then, again, like, like, even that has, seems to have had some significance because, like, if you think about it in terms of the overall plot, it's like he had a run-in with the New Republic. That's the reason why his ship was broken up, which is why he had to go back to Navarro, which is how he found out about the Imperials, which is how they put a tracker on his ship. Like, do you know what I mean? It all, yeah, and then you also get like the returning character of like, so the the um X Wing pilot that we saw in that episode turns up in this episode, mm -hmm. and he's making comments about again what's going on in the wider galaxy. He's like, we know there's something weird, you know, fishy going on out here, but no one in the in the Republic is believing us, so we need yeah. local support, we need you guys because we're not going to get the fleet out here. He said, Well, there's but, only so much that we can do, yeah, uh, but, but like, you know, the the Republic fleet, the guys who won the war, they're all in the inner system. They're in Coruscant. And again, we get little hints of that. Again, with the, there's a great um, scene in this one where they're in a, um, in a school. Yeah. And there's the protocol droid talking through everything. So you hear, right, oh, the old Republic was based in Coruscant, but the new Republic has his headquarters in like, Chendura or Chen, something like that. But it's also in the, in the inner rim. It's like, it's sort of hinting at this universe where it's like, right, the real power is right in the center of the universe. We're out on the edge here and the Imperials are up to no good. And yeah. it's like, right. So we know that we also know that. And again, this is, this is like how, um, so this is stuff that I keep forgetting because I just, I keep forgetting that obviously where we are with Mando is not where we are with the wider universe or like the star wars the skywalker saga yeah that's because this is this is how the new order rises that's what they do is they're going out they spread out to these uh right out into the rim mm. right out to the very edges of like 
the known galaxy. Yeah. And they are, that's where they're sort of like building their forces and see, like working their way through. Yeah. See, that's what I'm not sure of in terms of how much they're going to or they want to connect it to the sequel trilogy. Mm. Um, they can. Um, and they could do the whole, you know, this is the origins of the First Order. But I feel like. I think this mo- is going to be part of what, with what we saw today with the experiments that were going on there. This mm. is very much going to be. This is the Emperor's cloned body. Okay, that's what you think, is it? I think it's either the Emperor or Snoke. Okay, I've got a different theory. Okay. I've got an entirely different theory. Um, we'll, come, we'll come back to that in a bit, but let's just like just finish up what happens in this episode. So yeah, basically this episode is them just trying to kick off the Empire off Navarro. Yeah, they're trying to blow up a facility because they keep, they're saying that they think that smugglers are going to keep coming and trying yeah. to take so they're and just going to uh, blow it up yeah. just to be done with it. And it's just a classic, I feel like it's just classic Star Wars. It's a, it's a ragtag group of rebels breaking into a rebel um, imperial facility um, to blow it up. And the Imperials are really like helpful for them because they, they, like, they put their control panels in really precarious positions. Mm. Um, <laughs> that, I love that. When, he, when he's going out onto the ledge over the lava. And he's like, there's no safety rail. There's no safety rail here. Like, right, well, why not? Well, he said he'd be. Le- we said he'd be leaning all day. Really? That's what he said, is it? <laughs> None of this is going to matter with my famous singers. <laughs> and that's like when you when that happened, I was like, Dom's definitely going to say that later. <laughs> but it's just like it makes no sense. They're like in this tiny little room, and like rather than just put the control panel on the wall, they're going to have this little gangplank and have it out on the ledge on the side, so you have to be standing over the lava in order to turn the thing off it's like yeah. but it's exactly the same like little shimmy that obi-wan does when he's turning off the tractor beam in episode four like yeah. it's so true to star wars it's star wars logic which is like makes no sense but it's perfect yeah. i fucking love it there are like maybe a safety route here or there but by and large yeah. if you fall it, in it's fall imperial in. construction at its finest and it makes no fucking sense and it's just it's just asking to be sabotaged and that's what they do in this one um, so yeah it's a bit like it's a fun sort of adventure where they're going in and just blowing this thing up but the big twist and the thing we need to talk about now is the point where as they're going through this facility they come across a bunch of guys in vats um, in the wall um, yeah. and they realise that this is a lab um, and then what you get is you get the, the scientist character who we met briefly in season one um, a hologram recording is brought up of him explaining the situation. Um, he's basically saying they're, they're taking blood from, it's the blood sample that they took from Baby Yoda, which we saw yeah. happen in season one before they saved him. Um, and he said, the, you know, it's a very small sample um, and it's the highest, con- like, there's loads, there's darn pack about what he says. Um, yeah. Where to start. <laughs> It says it's like the highest M count, which is clearly referring to like the midichlorians. Yeah, it's the highest brought up M in episode count we've ever seen. One. Yeah, so again, and I think that's the midichlorian then... count gives an indication as to is what George originally sort of led in with this indication of the strength of the force. Yes, so I think that's their way of um, bringing again bringing some stuff back in from the prequels and bringing something that a lot of people roll their eyes when you hear the word midichlorians. It's something that didn't go down very well. So I think it's mm. their way of 
of keeping it in without keeping it in, if you know what I mean. It's their way of bringing yeah. it in without actually saying in the word. Canonizing it, but in yeah. a throwaway yeah, exactly. sense. Um, so they're doing that, um, which is interesting. And then he's talking about um, volunteers taking the blood and some of them rejecting it. Um, and then we move on. When he's trying to figure it all out. He goes, well, he can't be. And he goes, he says at the end that he's reporting to Moff Gideon. Amanda's like, well, it can't be Moff. G- this must be old then, because I killed Moff Gideon when he crashed in yeah. the um, Tie Fighter. And he's like, no, this was a couple of days ago. And so then Mando realizing that Moff Gideon's alive, books it out of there because he's worried about the child. Yeah. Um, and we get this amazing chase sequence. Um, and then Mando gets a Millennium Falcon moment where he comes comes in and kills some Tie Fighters, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. And again, I just can't get over how fucking good it looks. All the ship to ship stuff, like the Tie Fighters and and the in atmosphere dogfight that they have looks yep. like it could be from one of the movies easily but there's, it does. there's no, it's there's no so difference. good there's no difference like sometimes you can tell the difference in things like you like you say um particularly episodes two and three i think you can tell like they're trying to save a bit of money on the budget but then you see this this is why this this is why mm-hmm. this is so they can do shit like this like, yeah okay. because there's the chase and the dog fight yeah exactly um and, yeah, and the razor crest good. is back to normal now and you're like okay right we can right. let's right. crack on we're on, but we like I say, I think they've done a, they've they've set up a lot in these four episodes in terms of we know where Cara Dune is. We've got this whole like she gets almost a call to action from the um the Republic fighter. He's like yeah, he we, gives her a badge or something. Yeah, he gives her a badge or a medal or something like that, which is the um you know the rebel symbol, which she also has tattooed on her face. Like you know she's a proper rebel. Um, she, yeah, and he, we they reinforce that thing about her being from Alderaan. Um, and he says, "Who? You know, did you lose someone?" And she's like, "I lost everyone." It's yeah. Like, again, so we've reestablished who she is and what she's all about. Grief is like the head of the town. We've reestablished that in the previous episode. We've established there's Bo-Katan has got a little group of um, Mandalorians, um, and she's after the Dart Saber and wants to retake Mandalore. She knows Moff Gideon has it, so she's gunning for him. And so before that, we've established that there are there's a safe haven on. Tatooine that they can go to if they need to with the guy who's running the town but there's also Boba Fett's out there looking for him yeah so if you think about I know it's been a bit bitty this first half but they I think they've just they've laid the groundwork for what's probably going to be in the second half of the season like I say more serialized it's going to be more one episode leads on to the next leads on to the next yeah and that's what I really I kind of really hope it is because one thing and as much as I am probably one of the, I'd consider myself a massive fan of Mando. Yeah. One thing I'm getting a little bit sick of this season is the swooping in at the last minute. You're like, oh no, what's going to happen now? Imagine if somebody swept in to save the day at the last possible second. Yeah. And it's happened in the last three episodes. Yeah, fair enough. And yeah. it happened twice in the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and you go, okay, and uh, that. Uh, I was expecting at every point and I was like, Oh, it's going to happen now. Yeah. And it, and then it, it happened. And I'm like, okay. Like, I, and that's one of the issues that I've got now is that like three episodes in a row, we've had the millennium Falcon moment. Yeah, true. I know what you mean. And you go, cool. <sighs> okay. And it's just like, I'd have liked to have seen them subvert, subvert it in a different way this time, or yeah. like no, do I'm... something because we've done it twice. Mm-hmm. It was like, like I said, it was, t- it was done twice in the last episode, 
and at that point you're like okay mm. and then last episode when it happened the second time when he was back at the harbour at night and he had the child with him again Yeah, I was expecting again, him to yeah. be like uh, any hurts. second now guys yeah you know and then then he fights them off and then they turn up yeah like that's what I thought was going to happen but they didn't and then in this episode I was like oh he's not going to turn up they're going to they're going to be like here we are any second and he turns up late and he's like oh sorry I'm late sort of thing yeah I was expecting something like that and I was a bit like okay like this is still my favourite episode of the season Mm. like definitively just because so much happened the plot moved along a lot in so much it wasn't it didn't require a massive amount of knowledge that came from somewhere else I didn't have to buy the DLC to understand the main story you know yeah okay yeah um and it all sort of worked well and it tied it up and it was like right now we can get on that's what i loved about this episode there was so much in it there was enough easter egg in there there was enough like seeing old things in a new way there was like clever ways of being like oh we thought this was you know we thought this was a facility that was not used and it turns out it's like a secret scientist science base yeah. and you know like, oh, like okay. it goes all the way back to season one and explaining some of the stuff that's been dangling all the way there so th- that again yeah. gives me sort of confidence in the the filmmakers and the writers that they know that there are dangling threads and everything has a purpose there's a reason mm-hmm. why you know and even down to like I say the the, the continuing plot of the new republic is going to have a point there is a point to everything so i i'm confident now going into the back half of the season that we're going to see all these threads all start to tie together um yeah and hopefully once we get to the end of the season when you know in four weeks time we'll be talking about how well paced the whole thing was and how everything needed to happen the order that it happened and all the rest of it i could be wrong we could say you know there could be some chuff that will go you still could have got rid of that frog lady episode but um but we'll see yeah um but yeah Moving on to the larger point then. So you are of the impression that that's, those, those are clones. Yeah. So I think they are either, well, I'm like 80% into the thought that they are clones or so emperor clones or Snokes. Yeah. Um, because I remember that being, that was a theory from last year when, when obviously when, uh, Mandalorian season one came out. It was around the time that Rise of Skywalker came out. Um, so a yeah. lot of people made that connection about what does the what does the Emperor want with Baby Yoda, and it having something to do with Palpatine's return. Um, yeah. And we do know, like, as much as they didn't really properly explain it in Rise of Skywalker, there were some vats of cloning shit going on, and you saw like a Snoke um, yeah. type thing. So that could, yeah. Um, or it's um like how death troopers are made and they're like genetically engineered mm. so that's yeah that's sort of where i'm at with those okay so i i've got a theory based on based on the same thing so i think i, I initially as i was watching it i text you as i as it happens like oh holy shit clones because i my mind immediately went to the same thing of like oh shit this is gonna they're gonna back that you know explain how Palpatine came back because they never did it properly. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and this again, this is going to be Dave Filoni fixing the sequel trilogy in the same way that he fixed the prequel trilogy with the Clone Wars. Um, but as he went on and as the guide spoke, and I went back and reround it, and then again when we get the reveal at the end of the episode, I don't think that's the case. I don't think those are clones. Okay. I, th- I think because he talks about volunteers and he talks about rejecting the blood that's, in- that's injected into them. Okay. So I think what they're doing is they're getting, they're having volunteers or, you know, loosely turned volunteers. It's probably people who are being forced, you know, forced to do it. But people are being volunteered. Yeah, exactly. And when they say people, I think they're stormtroopers. So I think what Moth Gideon is doing is he's getting his elite stormtroopers, his death troopers, and he's getting them to do these experiments and injecting them with blood that has got high midichlorian count, i.e. from Baby Yoda. And trying mm-hmm. to create a, a battalion force sensitive force sensitive stormtroopers so that he can reach uh, the okay. galaxy. Yeah, that's what I think he's doing. And then we see at the very end of this episode, he's he's got a big, yeah. There's just like a hallway full of these guys in in these black suits. And they're not quite death troopers; they're something else. But again, they they look like they're in you know hypersleep or something. Um, and he's going to unleash them. And the idea is that we find out at the very end of the episode that yeah, one of the mechanics that was working on the razor crest um put a tracker on it so they're going to be following mando and he says okay we will be ready so now the 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 board is set for mando to go and find ahsoka and then get attacked by the imperials are going to turn up not only the imperials but a bunch of force sensitive frankenstein monsters yeah Okay, so yeah, that would be like a like that, an old body horror. Yeah, but I think like that could lead into an even bigger thing. Like that could be you know because now that I think it's good that we've got again they've they've set it up perfectly. If that is where they're going, because we're going to have this all this discussion about the force and how the force works is starting to come, and we now have Ahsoka there to sort of explain it to us, or I'll right. explain it to the Mandalorian, and therefore to us because he doesn't know anything about it. He doesn't understand it. Um, so she'll be able to break down, you know, what she thinks the plot is. And I think the other sort of element that they'll get into is that the the Empire and Gideon are trying to like artificially replicate the Force right. by just like growing it in a test tube. And it's like that's not how the Force works. <laughs> you can't do that. Either you yeah. got it or you don't. It's a natural thing that people are attuned to, and it's that'll be like. Widens. Well, they sort of, they do say it like flows through all thing, all living things. Yeah, it's the idea that you're just trying to steal some blood from Baby Yoda and then inject it into somebody. It's like no, that's not yeah. how. That, so I feel like it could be like say some body horror, like you're forcing it into someone quite literally. And it's like no, that's just that's against the laws of nature in Star Wars, and it's all going to yeah. go horribly fucking wrong. Um, but that is a really interesting, cool idea, and I'm so down for it. If that's what yeah, it it's a really sort of new. Yeah, thing as well. Because I, yeah, I, I was quite surprised at first when I was like, oh, despite all the sort of the backlash, they're going to link into. Um, yeah, they're going to link into Force Awakens and uh, Last uh, Rise of Skywalker and stuff like that. So that's what sort of impressed me with it, but. I'm presuming this, this, I mean, this is obviously isn't the end. Like, I know they've blown up this this one sort of facility, but it's not the end, is it? Like, obviously, they're going to... No, well, he's got all those guys that we see at the end, presumably. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the way they frame that is to make you believe they are the last batch of experiments or whatever. Um, so, yeah, 
make of that what you will. Um, but, you know, we could end up in a situation at the end of this season where, you know, Baby Yoda gets out, but they capture Ahsoka and then start taking her blood and try and do the same thing or, or something along yeah. those lines, you know? Um, yeah. Will, this will be an ongoing um, plot thread of, you know, the, these em- the Imperials who are trying to retake the galaxy using the Force because that's the, how they, they know that, like, the, as devotees of the Emperor, that's what made him special. And that's what mm-hmm. it made him and Vader able to rule. It's like, right, well, we need to recapture that and try and force it, literally. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. So, uh, I mean, they could, cool. they could do the whole um, Palpatine thing. I just think that, from Filoni's point of view and all the rest of it, I think they want to make their own story and have it not necessarily tie in. And that's kind yeah. of the way he's always been, in terms of, you know, the way that the, the Rebels storyline he invented his own characters in like uh kanan and ezra and had them have their own story there was like they did intersect at one point with obi-wan um and you sort of touched on based on where he is but that's not what he's concerned about because that's those stories have already been told so i don't know if he's ever gonna he he could do it um and that might be it could be something because i know it's not you know entirely dave filoni's things also john favreau's um, and obviously Star Wars, you know, Catherine Kennedy, all the rest of it. But I feel like they want it to be its own thing. And part of that as well, the thing to remember is that there is a massive time gap between um, where we are in The Mandalorian and where, like, The Force Awakens happens. Yeah. Because Mandalorian is meant to be five years after Return of the Jedi, right? Yeah, so that's, um, like, what, 25 years? Yeah, and it's, like, 30 years when you, well, by the time you get to Force Awakens. Mm. so there's there's 25 years worth of stuff there's like all, a lot of the characters that we know in the in the sequel trilogy haven't even been born yet like finn hasn't been born ray hasn't been born fucking yeah. uh, kylo ren hasn't been born yet so we're a long way off from a lot of that um so i feel and i think that's deliberate um so that they can they've got room to tell the story they want to tell even if it takes six seasons um without ever having to worry about bumping up against the established canon yeah yeah i hadn't thought of that in that sort of duration should we say (laughs) well i i did watch it an hour ago tom what do you think i've been doing (laughs) (laughs) Mm. no i mean like in so much as duration of the timeline within this the the whole saga yeah yeah, i watched it this morning yeah Um, and this evening But um, yeah, it's a fucking brilliant episode. Yeah, it's a great episode. Um, amazing action. Um, everyone's great in it. Um, Gina Carano is great. Um, Carl Weathers is great. Um, everyone, yeah, everyone's brilliant. Um, and that's another thing. Like, I feel like another thing they've they've sort of laid the groundwork for is now Mando's starting to question the whole taking the helmet off thing. Yeah. Now that he's met Bogotan and that lot, and realised that no, she's like the most Mandalorian Mandalorian who ever Mandalorian, um, and she takes her helmet off. What? I just knocked someone off the edge. Sorry. Um, and she takes the helmet off all the time. I feel like he could maybe get to a point at the end of this season where he sort of joins up with her or takes over or or whatever, and therefore decides to start taking the helmet off more. Okay. Um, and maybe what that that will mean then that we'll have you know a lead character where we actually see his face, <laughs> and it'll be Pedro Pascal will actually be in the show a hell of a lot more, um, <laughs> which will change up the the sort of the feel and look of it, and you know having an actor you know having him to emote and actually do stuff 
yeah. and push the story forward. I, I really wouldn't be surprised if that's what we did. Um, and in years to come, we'll go, oh, no, we're, that's really early Mandalorian. Like that's, that's back when he didn't even use to take the helmet off. Back in, like, See, one. I don't want that. I still want this to be... Like, I know we've seen his face, but I think it might be like a... Like the start of this episode, where you see him drinking. Yeah, you just barely see a little glimpse of it. Don't you? Yeah. Mm. you see like a tiny glimpse of his mouth as he lifts it up just to have a sip out of a cup. Yeah. And he won't even take it off in front of the child. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just... My worry is if they are to make the other Mandalorians like more regular characters, it will just mm. start to feel a bit silly if he's the only one just refu- stubbornly refusing to take his helmet off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it already got a little bit like that in that first episode they turned up in. Um, and it was just... Bit, and it, I know as well, for a fact, from a completely... You know, from a production point of view, it means they don't have to pay Pedro Pascal because he doesn't actually have to be on set. Yeah, he can just do the voiceover. I'm just like, there's only how far can you take a show where your lead character is just a shiny helmet? Like, there has to come a point where, <laughs> like, do you know yeah. what I mean? I'd rather that yeah. the, the alternative is that they make Ahsoka and Bogotan more central characters. I don't want that. I, they, you know, that's again alienating to people who don't know their backstory. So I'd rather have, if the choice is between that or have um, him take the helmet off, I'd rather him take the helmet off and have it be a Pedro Pascal show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I still, like, I still want it to be, I still want it to fit in with that. Like, I know it might, I think it suits the, the way that the character works. I feel that it suits his, like, creed. I think there would be a good time for him to, sort of brush against that and that to, for him to sort of turn away almost but not I don't think I don't know I think it would just be a bit man in a space suit running around shooting guns sort no, of thing rather, any, than, any rather, rather than any action sequence he's going to be putting the helmet on like, yeah. you know, every time he's shooting anyone, he's got the helmet on. Do you know I mean? I'm not saying that he just, he never, he takes it off and never puts it back on again. Hmm. I just mean, like, in the same way that, like, the, um, what's his name? Character. The, yeah, uh, I keep forgetting his name. Timothy Oliphant's character. Yeah. When shit's going down, he's putting the helmet on and he's going to kick some ass. But just, like, if he's just sat on this, sh- or even when he, you know, just sat having a conversation with someone, we can hmm. actually have a conversation between two actors. We can have Katie Zakoff and Pedro Pascal acting. Like you've got the guy; he's a good fucking actor. We've seen him be a good actor. Let him. Do it. It's the same like whole thing of what they said about um, Carl Weathers. It's like why would you cover that in prosthetics the whole time? Yeah. Like you can still have it be you know on all the posters and in every action sequence the guy's wearing the helmet, but just in dialogue scenes, let him take it off. Yeah. You can have whole episodes where he never takes it off, but if there's a reason for him to. But I don't know. I know. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see other people's sort of point of view on it because as it stands at the moment, you're the only other person that's watching this out of my friendship group because everyone else is boring. That's not true. We know other people. There's a, we have a WhatsApp group and everything. Well, we have, we know one other person. Yeah, because the other guy is trying to save it all until it's all finished, which is fucking madness as far as I'm concerned. But there you go. Um, how he's managed yeah. not to get spoiled every week, I don't know. But there you go. Yeah, but this is a, like this is a different level of conversation. We can't, you know, I, I love I love the other 
three letter named person in our WhatsApp group. But this isn't the sort of WhatsApp conversation that you can have. This is a sit down, have a conversation over a podcast sort of chat. And it's like, I do just genuinely for any, any of the readers out there, just, you know, let us know what you think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and there will be, I think that now there's going to be every, every episode that's come out, there's been more and more discussion and more, you know, um, it, it, it's definitely doing what Disney plus wants it to do, i.e. generating conversation every week um, and staying in people's thoughts every Friday now has become a thing. Um, yeah. So I know there's people out there watching it. So if you, if you're listening to this and you've got some thoughts, or if you've got an alternative theory about what you think is going on um, or where you think the series might be going, definitely email us in and let us know um, because we'd love to hear that. Yeah. I definitely want to like, that's the thing. I want to have these bigger conversations and more conversations about this because I think it justifies it, a show of this scale. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, do us a letter or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Star Wars it to us via the Star Wars net. Yeah, hollow net. He'll send us a, a what was it? Ah, oh, there was a word that they used in today's episode, or the last episode when they said, "I'll oh, send you a message," but they said a certain thing, and I was like, "They said it's Star Wars." <laughs> that's, like. a, that's such a Star Wars thing to say. <laughs> Love it. There's good but Star yeah, Wars, and it's there's good Star Wars every week. It's a good time to be alive. Yeah, yeah, it is. I just. Yeah, and I can't wait to see it be a little bit more serialized, stitched up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I want I'm, it to I'm, be a little bit tighter rather than so of the week, like gunfight of the week. Or, oh, yeah. now what's happened? How's yeah. he going to get out of this predicament? Arms folded, looks at the camera. Wah, wah. Yeah, and I think they will do that. Like I say, like if you look back at season one, the first three episodes were all leading on from one another. Um, yeah, they did, and it was all leading up to like he, you know he started off, he got the job, then he went and did the job, then he got trapped on the planet, then he had to come back from the job, then he decided to you know take Baby Yoda, and it was all just it all felt very natural the way they flowed flowed on from one another. Yeah. Um, and I do feel that they are, the story they're clearly they're trying to set up is going to take at least three episodes to do just to tie everything together. So I think that that's probably what we're going to get um, in this back half. Um, but yeah, I, I have faith. Oh yeah, I have absolute, I have the utmost faith in them. And just that's what I want to see. And I think they're gonna, well, whatever they're gonna do is gonna be great. I yeah. just wish, I just want it all to be a little bit more linked up, less like tying robots together with a paper chain. They'll do it. It'll all make sense. So, give it time. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks. They'll for be back. Guys. You'll see. Shut up. I've seen the fucking what they've done with the holiday special, by the way. Nope. That Star Wars Lego holiday special. Yeah. Is set after episode nine. Is it? Yeah. And it actually like continues some story. So they've they're like one of the scenes in it apparently is Re- uh Finn using Ray's lightsaber and doing the um the remote droid training that Luke was doing. And so and yeah. Ray is his master. So a lot of the plot is driven about the idea that, oh yeah, no, Finn is force sensitive and Ray's now training him. This is where we're at. 
this is like a year after the events of Rise of Skywalker. Fuck. But they're telling us that in a fucking Christmas Lego. Right, there we go. There's our, there's our bonus episode before Christmas. Oh, fuck. I don't want to. Yeah, too late. Volunteered. I was done with those cunts. I was done with them. No. No. I'd rather do the actual holiday special. Can we not do that? No, because we're going to do that anyway. <laughs> like, you brought it up. It's happening. I'm not doing, let's not do the Lego one. Let's do, yeah, not the Disney-fied version. We'll do let's both. Do, oh. No, 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 we'll do both. God damn it. All right, fine. Yep. Um, there's plenty more Star Wars content to come for us for the end of the year, by the sounds of it. Holiday specials. Um, holiday specials, plus the back half of season two of The Mandalorian. Um, so yeah, let us know what you're thinking about The Mandalorian. Um, are you getting on with it? Do you think there's too much Clone Wars stuff? Um, yeah, tell us what you think. Um, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time to talk about the next two episodes. Um, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen next. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm really we'll, excited for next week. Yeah, Especially since I accidentally read what the title of the next episode was going to be. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You want to know? Uh, yeah, go on then. It's called The Jedi. <laughs> oh, my God. Right, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she's not even a Jedi. Anyway, all right, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about it in two weeks' time. Right, thanks for listening, yes. guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. See you next time. Bye. Bye. But she's not even a Jedi. Well, might not be about that, might it? Might not be about her. She might not turn up until the last episode. Nah, there's no way. There's absolutely no way she's not in the next episode. They can't do that. The people would fucking kick off. Like The only reason they haven't kicked off this week is because they've advanced that whole Empire plot. Mm. And they've given us some more stuff to chew on if they hadn't done that and, and it had just been a proper like literally gunfire of the week let's clear out some imperials none of the the cloning or the the experiment stuff had happened in, been in this episode people would have been fucking pissed uh yeah i genuinely i don't read anything about ando no you you um, to do so <laughs> i know um I'm sure though. I'm just trying to think what the controversial thing will be this week. I oh, know this week it's, it's just going to be the fact that Gina Carano is in it and she breathes and like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and um, Baby Yoda eats macarons. Yeah. <laughs> oh fuck! We should talk about that. But that was amazing. The fact that they're literally just <laughs> macarons. They're yeah, not even blue like, macarons I, in foil just, packaging. Yeah, they literally just they put a bit of food colouring and dye in them or whatever, and that's it. <laughs> it's not not even that. They just chose blue ones because Star Wars is the food is blue in Star Wars world. <laughs>